things I like about this episode is it directly acknowledges something that's actually been referenced before with regards to the trailer. It was an idea Michael Piller had. The idea of uh, the, the, the laws, the rules against reassociation is what they call it. And it made a lot of sense because if you really think about it, if the trill were allowed to do whatever they wanted all willy-nilly, especially the joint trill, it's extremely likely that you'd get an elite sect of however many joint trill they are who constantly interact with and work with each other and kind of segregate themselves totally from the rest of society, which can lead to some very serious problems. It would also basically guarantee that there is for lack of a better way to put it, effectively a shadow organization of joined Trill. You know, we could have one in Starfleet and one over here on Trill and this one over here on this other unaligned world, and all of them are just kind of coordinating and talking with each other. Like, you could see how that would cause problems. So it's a very logical rule, and, you know, credit to Michael Piller for coming up with that kind of a thing. One of the, uh, uh, the other interesting points here is that they apparently take this so seriously that the, the consequence for doing so is exile. Now, what's interesting in its own right about that is, is any time they are doing that, as it's mentioned clearly, the exile itself isn't really a big deal, because let's be honest, this is the 24th century, 25th century, something like that. In other words, it's a period of time in which exile no longer means starvation and death, like it has at many points in human history. But it does mean that they no longer get to pass on the host. So when the next new host dies, the symbiote dies with them. Now, this also makes sense, given what we found out about how there's actually plenty more symbiotes and plenty more availability than they showcase. You know, the idea that plenty of people can become hosts if they, you know, allowed the system to go that way. So in other words, it's not really a big deal to them to let one particular symbiote die. Oh no, right? same time, I do very much find myself wondering, like, <laughs> would, I, I, like, would other powers or people with the kind of medical technology be able to circumvent that? Like, if, for example, let's say they went through with this, and, da you know, Jadzia dies, yeah, like, that's ever going to happen. And then the Federation, even knowing that Jadzia and Jadzia Dax, therefore, are exiles, is willing to shuffle the symbiote into someone else. I mean, that just kind of makes a degree of sense, right? And it might even be a random Trill who wasn't really supposed to be in the area, wasn't really one of the designated ones on the list, but she happened to be the nearest one, and they were in a hurry because Jadzia died, so, you know. You can kind of see how this would have lined up pretty well, right? As is, I'm just curious if they would have been willing to do that at all. Lord knows the Federation likes to be like, well, we respect the rules of member states and blah, blah, blah. So who knows? I mean, maybe there's like a black market they could have done, or maybe they could have done it on the low lowdown. I don't know. I don't know. Food for thought. As ever, I find the Trill to be an interesting species that they just don't discuss as much as I really would have preferred. Oh, by the way, and I'm going to keep pointing this out for, uh, I believe, two or three more episodes. You'll notice how Worf is still not a character. <laughs> He's just some guy on the bridge, randomly being like, yep, here's some stuff, and that's it. They keep shoving Worf on camera in roles that were clearly not written for him. I'm not complaining. Again, remember, Worf was basically thrust onto the creators here. I'm going to keep pointing it out until Worf becomes a character, because I think that's significant, personally. So, we'll get there, don't worry. Anywho, <clears throat> I also want to mention something. Now, as of Season 4, as of The Way of the Warrior, Nana Visitor actually got a new outfit for Kira Norris. I point that out because apparently some people complained about it back in the day, thinking it was too sexy. 
Now that's hysterical to me. I guess I'm a little bit too, I don't know, jaded or whatever <laughs> to, to look at that and be like, I mean, not a visitor is attractive, but it's not because of the outfit she wears, if you follow me. But what I find interesting is I didn't really notice it enough to really comment. Like, I read that in the behind-the-scenes for Way of the Warrior, but I didn't think it was worth commenting until the last episode and this episode. Because in the last episode, there's several scenes where Kira's standing next to Dax and is almost her height, and I'm like, well, that's weird. And then in this episode, there's several scenes, and it's like, she's just a little bit too tall. And there's this scene where she's exiting the bar with Bashir, and Bashir is discussing reassociation and basically expositioning the point of reassociation. And she has high heels on. And I'm like, oh, that's why she seems so much taller recently. She's literally on, on tip foot. Or foot tip. tip tiptoe. There we go. Tiptoe. <laughs> I swear I English. Anywho. So, uh, let's see. Look at my notes here. Funnily enough, this episode basically doesn't have a threat of the week, which I do like. And Avery Brooks directs. And you can kind of tell, as always, you can kind of get a feel for people's directorial style. Apparently, Avery was very uh, nice about this. Oh, yeah, so Susanna, Susanna Thompson actually plays uh, Khan. <laughs> Lenara, that's her name, her Lenara Khan, who has played Varel as a Romulan. Uh, Jane, that's in the TNG episode Friend of, Frame of Mind, which is actually the first place I recognized her. But I kept looking at her like, no, I know her from someplace else. I know her from someplace else. Oh, yeah, she's the Borg Queen. More accurately, she's the second Borg Queen. How many of you caught on to that? I'm honestly curious. It was mostly in the eyes and the way she holds herself. It would have been really funny if the second queen had trill spots, wouldn't it? That would have just been a wonderful way to conclude this arc. We could have been assumed that she opened a pathway and it happened to be one of the conduits for the Borg and she became assimilated and they ended up using her as a model for the next queen. That would have been a nice little way to tie in Voyager and DS9, don't you think? <clears throat> Anyways, <laughs> they mentioned this part about how they're going to be transferring this data and they should use the main computer to do it, but they're losing chunks of data on the transit. That always struck me as just a really weird thing to include there into the store, into the script, specifically into the dialogue. Like, when was the last time... <laughs> I mean, this is written in the 90s, right? When was the last time you downloaded a file on the internet and pieces of it were missing, Right? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I've done large-scale, large long-term trans transits of information over the Internet and on the phone. You know, because I, I was doing this job back in, back in the 90s, in the late 90s. So, you know, it's, that's what we had. Why would they suddenly lose data? It's just such a weird thing. Speaking of which, if, while I'm nitpicking, why do they need the Defiant for this? Why are they so insistent on doing this test over by Deep Space Nine? Like, there's no given reason for why these people from Trill, which is way the hell over there, want to do this revolutionary test by Deep Space Nine, which has the Union right there, the Empire right there, and the Dominion on the other side of that door. This has to be one of the worst possible places to do this kind of test. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we know the reason. It's so Lenara can get together with Jadzia. But, and, and, of course, both of them have the shared scientific perspective, which then allows them to bond more. I get that, but what I don't get is why any of this makes any sense. But I suppose that's mostly because it doesn't. There's a lot of, just, just go with it. Just go with it. Just, just get on with the main point of the episode. Um, there's this nice little bit. 
<laughs> where uh, Lenara and uh, Jadzia are both having trouble keeping up with pronouns. And what's really well written, I think, and credit to the writer, is that throughout most of the episode, they have a consistent trouble of saying we or I or they or he or she. And there's a couple of specific moments where all of that is dropped and it all becomes I and you. And that's actually really well written, and it's very well presented. There's this wonderful scene where Jadzia Dax is telling her how much she, you know, she regrets that I screwed this up, and I got myself killed, and I left you a widow. And she says, no, it's okay. It was my fault. I knew I was marrying a, a, a pilot. You know, all that stuff. That's good. That's well written, and it helps to showcase, for lack of a better way to put it, the, the unique situation we have here. The idea that these people are legitimately having trouble separating themselves from themselves. Uh, if you'll forgive me for pulling a quote here, I will never forget the time when I was me. Anywho, <clears throat> so that you know they're they're talking about this. It's it's some good stuff. Uh, Bashir, I felt so bad for Bashir, although he was a good friend. He did stay there the whole time, which is then funny, of course, because there's this line about the oh they were they had dinner alone. No, they didn't. Bashir was there for hours apparently, being really really bored. Good friend though, and. Then there's the bit about uh, using the force field in order to get over to her. That's actually really smart. That's probably one of the least Technobabble solutions I've seen over on Deep Space Nine. And not that DS9 was particularly heavy on Technobabble, but rather that this was the era of the Technobabble. The Deep Space Nine Voyager Enterprise bubble there, and late TNG, was when Technobabble really started to become a problem in Star Trek. So just... Pull out a force field, I'll walk over it to get over to her and get her to safety, and then you vent the, the, the car, uh, compartment. That's logical. That makes sense. It's, it's unique. The only, the only screw-up is the fact that it actually takes her closer to 30 seconds to get across rather than the 10 she asks for. That's it. And even that, let's be honest, that's probably just Eddington being like, come on, get over there, get over there, get over there. Okay, she's over there. Bam! <laughs> you know? Why is Eddington in engineering, by the way? I mean, we know why. It's because O'Brien couldn't be here because, he, you know, the actor who plays O'Brien was off doing movie stuff, but whatever. And then there's this line that mentions that they just did two weeks' worth of damage from this science experiment to the only warship in a very hostile territory. Whatever. I've already mentioned that. Whatever. Now, I want to give really special praise to Terry Farrell's acting in almost every respect. She actually does a really good job with this episode with one complaint. And again... I, I know this is the kind of thing that a lot of actors have trouble with, um, but if I was her director, I would have been like, all right, tone it back a little bit, because she doesn't really seem to know how to do crying all that well. She just kind of cries and wails. And while that can have its own purpose and use, I really feel like it detracted from the scene, because it was the only part of her presentation in the whole episode that felt fake. It felt like she was acting, in other words. Oh, yeah. Another fun little thing. I found myself thinking about Miss Khan for quite a bit here, and I was like, that's really strange. I feel like I know this. So I decided to go ahead and look it up in STO. No, I'm never letting STO go. I'm sorry, guys. And it turns out that Damar Khan is actually an STO and even references uh, Lenara Khan. Although, unfortunately, that means somewhere in the 30-year gap there, uh, something happens to poor Lenara. It's actually close to 37 years, I think, but whatever. I don't feel like looking up the dates right now. I'm looking at my notes. Looks like that's about it, really. So I guess that's it for this episode. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I know what you all expect me to comment on. Let me just go ahead and say that I was well aware of how much buzz was being generated about the so-called controversy back in the day, and all I do is roll my eyes at that. 
I don't have anything else to say about that. I really don't. In my opinion, if you are going to be making a work of fiction, you have to keep in mind the real-life reality that you're doing it for. Which means, no matter how you justify it in character, no matter how well you do in character, you're still having a woman kiss another woman, and you have to be cognizant of that. Now, I'm not saying they weren't. Quite the contrary. What actually was happening here was a deliberate allegory. What was being showcased was something that was being presented as something that was good, something that was pure, something that was meaningful, and something that was considered taboo. Thus, in other words, rather than this being like some horrible thing, some forbidden whatever, it was considered a taboo relationship. Now, the specifics here were because of the whole Trill thing, which I mentioned earlier, and the approach to try and prevent the aristocracy of the Trill from getting any worse than it already is. But instead, it was being done as a direct and par deliberate parallel. Sure, I'm with that. Okay. Uh, comes across as a little bit message, but whatever, it's, I'm still with it. In fact, what I find most interesting is the fact that she decides, Lenara, Lenara Khan decides that she, he, it, God, I don't even know at this point. We'll go with she, because at the moment she's a she. That she does not particularly want this relationship sufficiently to be willing to risk it, whereas Judzia Dax does. And you know what? I just wish there was some power behind that, but there isn't. And I want to explain my point. See, this is what irritates me. I don't want to talk about this because someone's going to jump down my throat because of the genders involved. And I don't care. Like, about the genders, I mean. I don't give a damn. What I give a damn about is good fiction. That's what I'm really about when it comes down to, the, down to it. And you know what I have to say about this episode? Season 3, Episode 8, Meridian. When Jadzia Dax was willing to throw away everything for some guy she had literally just met, who was in this phasic bubble, whatever reality, and she was willing to go with him and be part of the convalescence and come back in 70 years, willing to give up her career and her life and everything for some guy she just truly loves that she just met. I'm sorry, it's hard for me to take this seriously when you're throwing this kind of crap at me. Now, what I would have liked is if they did decide to go ahead and go forward with this. As I just intimated towards the beginning of this episode, I think you could have still kept, you know, the Dax thing going on in Season 7 with everything that happened in real life, which was a mess, by the way. I want to make it clear that I'm on Feral's side on that one. We'll talk about that when we get to the end of Season 6. But, um, you know, they still could have kept Feral on, or excuse me, they still could have kept Dax on. They still could have made things work in the way that they were doing, and having Lenara be a regular guest star, or a recurring element, or a background character, something. It's not like the actress was opposed to doing Star Trek work. This is not the first or last time she's on Star Trek as a guest star. How many times did she play the Borg Queen over in Voyager? You can't tell me she wouldn't be willing to come back. Right? Do it! Make it matter! It's, as I said before, Terry Farrell does a really good job of acting in, in everything except the one. So it's not like I don't get the feeling of impetus and backstory and the strength behind this. There's even this great scene where she is, Terry, excuse me, Jadzia Dax, is talking with Cisco, And she's, she's yelling at him and he's yelling back and he's like, Listen, you have to make this decision for real, for keeps, in, and whatever you decide... I got your back, because I'm your freaking friend. Now, he says it more emotionally and powerfully than that, but you get the point. That's a great scene. It gets across the idea that this could have been a legitimate and powerful change to the status quo, a development for Jadzia Dax as a character, which, to be blunt, she needed, because we needed more actual... <sighs> we needed more real episodes for her. It's one of the things I've been complaining so much about over on TNG as well. The fact that we have a couple of... 
uh, Beverly Crusher episodes. We have a few Troy episodes. We have some O'Brien episodes. But for the most part, if you're not one of the main big five or six or whatever it is, you just didn't get a lot of screen time, not a lot of significant moments, not a lot of good acting chops, not a lot of good directing moments, not a lot of good character. Have this be a major change in Jadzia Dax as a character. Have this matter. Have this be a recurring element to her. Have her now be in a long-term real relationship. Don't tell me you can't do that, DS9. You've been doing it for the last, like, seven episodes with Cassidy Yates. Successfully. Instead, we get another romance of the week. And that's why it pisses me off so much. Because it doesn't mean anything. This will never be even be referenced again. Except an STO in passing, if you happen to be a Trekkie. Or Trekker. <laughs> or Trek fan. Whatever you prefer. That's why this aggravates me. Because this doesn't mean anything. This doesn't... Now... <laughs> okay. Now, I just realized something, so let's go ahead and address reality here. I'm I, I can't wait for the comment section this week, let me tell you what. Let's address reality here. They had to fight tooth and nail to get this relationship on camera. What's funny about that, though, is all the outrage and all the phone calls and all the bullcrap that resulted as a consequence of that was all about the kiss. Now, <laughs> I tend to be pretty anti-censorship. But if it's really that much of an issue and you have to choose between having a recurring relationship that happens to between, between two actresses who are female, remember, that's really not relevant to this. This is two people who are in love because of the whole trill thing, because they connect with each other and gel with each other in a really big and powerful way. Their genders are inconsequential to the matter. That's part of the point. However, we do have to address reality. This is a show being made in the 90s. These are two women. Even Babylon 5 could only put the whole thing with Ivanova and... Oh my god, I can't think of her name. Blonde woman. <laughs> I can't think of her name. In, the, in, like, in the background, kind of as like a background element, because there was so much pressure to not show that on camera. What's funny is this is the kind of thing that I could see studio executives demanding be in shows nowadays because of the shifting tides and demand for sexing things up and showing more aspects of, of society and blah, blah, blah. So I get that it wasn't really a reality to, 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 to do it the way that they probably wanted to, but you could have at least had her be a recurring presence on the show and just kind of slide it off into the background as far as their physical intimacy. Still have them be together. Imply whatever you want, just don't show. That would have been a nice, simple way to get around the studio executives and the concerns with that. Now, that may not have been sufficient, and that's a valid point. And you know what I have to say to Bat? That sucks. Because there's no answer at that point. If it's at the point where you can't make this, this matter, then what you've done is you've thrown out a story that doesn't matter. If it's not clear, I don't actually like this episode that much. But it's not because the episode itself. It's mostly because this is just another throwaway episode. I, I don't care about throwaway episodes. I don't care about something that happens and then never matters again. I didn't like Meridian either. So, what we have left in reality land is... <laughs> which has really terrible seats and costs way too much, let me tell you what. What we have left in Reality Land is a one-off episode that doesn't matter, and the inability to do anything with it. To be 100% blunt, at that point, why bother? Now, one last idea, because I don't like to criticize without giving possible alternatives. Have her be a background element. Okay, you don't want to bring the character on. You don't want to have a long-term relationship between Jadzia Dax and... Oh God, I've been saying her name. Lenara? 
Is that it? I'm looking at the... Yeah, Lenara Khan. I know it's Khan, because Damara Khan. And, of course, Khan! But, so you don't want to have a long-term relationship on camera between Jadzia Dax and Lenara Khan because of studios. Okay, fine. Have there be communiques? Have there be mentions? This is something that TNG simultaneously did really well and really awful. Because every now and again, there's just be little bits of communiques or information or name drops or ref references or inferences of characters continuing throughout the show. It's one of the reasons why Sealar, despite the fact that she only showed up like once in all of TNG, was continued to be referenced throughout the rest of the entire show. It's one of the reasons why we kept having Bruce Maddox pop up every now and again, right? Do something like that. Have Lenara, you know, Dax and... She's reading this list, and it's like, oh my god, during the actual war later on, have a message come in for Dax, desperately trying to see if she's still alive. Show that that connection meant something by having it continue to mean something. That's probably the closest we could get in reality land with a show being made in the 90s to make this actually work. Once again, I find myself fascinated by the idea of being able to go back and redo all of these old shows. Just just restructure them a little bit. Make this stuff matter. Make this stuff relevant. <sighs> I'm really not looking forward to the comments section for today. <laughs> I guess we'll see what you guys think when we get there. I hope you've enjoyed. I'll see you next time.